Good morning, you beautiful English learners. This is part two of Murphy's Law. In part one, well, if you haven't listened to part one, I strongly suggest that you do. That was episode number 70 of the Little Sea English podcast. This is part two. And the idea of this one, or the main um, topic, is... The Lady Wakes the Bear. So that's kind of like what I'm going to call this part of an episode. And in this episode, we're going to look at a lot of random English, including oblivious, rude, clueless, ignorant, obnoxious, entitled, up her own hole, a short fuse, to kip or a kip, to tower over a person, patience is thin, have no filter, and address a crowd. Yes. In the next short while, you're going to learn exactly how to use all of those. My name is Ronan. This is the Little Seal English Podcast. Again, if you haven't listened to episode 70, stop listening to this. Go back, listen to episode 70, and when you're ready, grab a pen, a paper, a coffee, a beer, a joint, whatever it is you want, and get ready to listen to Murphy's Law Part 2. The Lady Wakes the Bear. So, folks, welcome to part two of the podcast, The Lady Wakes the Bear. So I returned to the airport and thus began my search to find a nice spot to rest my weary, weary head. Weary. That is a specific adjective. He's weary. Carefully doesn't faint. I need to rest my weary head. We use this adjective when we're discussing how tired or weak a person or something is. When I say a man is weary, it means he is weak. Maybe due to health concerns, maybe some other reason. Have you ever been so tired that you were weak and unable to really do anything at all? That's weary. Common collocation, weary head. Rest your weary head and sleep. You know, maybe it's not too common, but it is quite a descriptive way of talking, and I am a descriptive talker. Have you ever been sick? Of course you have. Have you ever been sick and not had any energy? You know, you're weak. You're frail. You're tired. You struggle to get out of bed, and when you do, you take a few steps and you're exhausted again? That's weary. Have you had the flu, like the real flu, the one that knocks you for six? The one that knocks you down, the one that when you get up, you go to the bathroom, you go back to bed and you're thinking, that was exhausting, that is weary. So when you're weak, it's weary is another way to say it. Look it up. So I was weary. I arrived at Vancouver airport at night and I needed to find a space to kip it for the evening. You know, a place to rest my head, a spot to lay low for a few hours in the airport. So, have you ever slept in an airport? Have you ever slept on the floor of an airport? Have you ever spent a night in an airport? For me, it's not new, but it's something that I haven't done in a very, very long, long, long time. When I was young and more foolish, I travelled around Europe. It was cheap, it was easy. 
I would hop on a low a low cost airline like Ryanair, and I'd spend the weekend in Copenhagen, Spain, or somewhere in between. I remember once I got to Stockholm for only twelve euro. Can you imagine twelve euro? For twelve euro, you can't go wrong. That's a nice phrase. You can't go wrong. For twelve euro, you can't go wrong. I use that tag. You can't go wrong. To support what I'm saying. You know, it's kind of like if I'm in a city and I see a meal deal for a pint of beer and a burger for $10. Can't go wrong with that. Anyways, I kept it on the floor. I took a nap. I slept. But to be honest, it wasn't a great sleep because it's an airport floor. I tried to sleep. I was in and out of sleep. And then it began. I was rudely awoken by a lady on her phone at about 4am. Now picture this. You're in an airport. It's about 3.30am. A very, very, very empty airport. You see a man sleeping on the ground. You might have mistaken this man for a bear. Now in English we have a very relevant idiom for this little anecdote I'm about to share. And it is, let sleeping dogs lie. This is a very relevant and important idiom. It basically translates to, don't fucking wake a person up. So, as I said, I'm on the floor in this very, very, very empty airport and I was rudely awakened by a stupid, entitled, elderly Canadian on her phone talking like she was addressing a crowd of 5,000 fucking people. I slowly struggled to open my eyes. My ears were pierced by her giving out to some poor customer agent on the other end of the phone. She is looking at me. Directly at me. Directly into my eyes on the phone to customer service. And at this point in my head I had an idea of taking her phone and smashing it on the ground. But of course I did not do that because that would land me in jail or something. She hangs up the phone and then she says, Oh sorry, did I wake you? Now, normally I would say the polite thing which is, Oh no, not at all, I was about to wake up anyways. But it's 3.30am. I have slept on the floor of an airport and I said, Yes. You could have chosen anywhere else in the empty terminal to speak loudly on your phone, but you chose here. What is wrong with you? I actually did ask what was wrong with her. She was shocked. I was pissed. She continued to stare at me. I stood up. I towered over her. The bear was awake. She asked me another question. I can't recall the question because, like, it was fucking three o'clock in the morning. But I do remember my answer. Lady, I don't give a fuck. And I walked away. Now, I know I should not have swore at her. I know she probably thought I was a rude bastard, which I was. But at the end of the day, do not make a fucking phone call and be as loud as possible when standing next to a person sleeping on the ground. That lady was oblivious, obnoxious, clueless, Rude, entitled, ignorant, up her own hole. That lady believed she was the king of the fucking universe. In reality, she was a cunt.
She might have been nice. I don't know. I don't want to know. But my patience was thin. My patience was gone. I was on a very, very short fuse. I was exhausted. And when I'm exhausted, I guess my filter is the first thing to go. So I walked away from her. I found somewhere to sit down and get ready for my flight back to Ireland. So overall, I went to Vancouver. I tried to meet my friend. It didn't happen. I went to a bar. I spoke to a lady in the bar. Turns out she's batshit crazy. I leave the bar. I go back to Vancouver airport to sleep because I'm fucking tired. I find a place to sit down in the corner of the airport. It's an empty airport. And then in the morning, some fucking woman is talking on her phone so loud she could wake up the entire fucking country. So as you can see, my trip was definitely not going according to plan, but it is what it is because I'm going home for Christmas. Alright, so let's look at some of the key English that came up in that little segment, part two, The Lady Wakes the Bear. Well, we're going to start with the adjectives or phrases I used to describe that woman. And I said she was oblivious, rude, clueless, ignorant, obnoxious, entitled, up her own hole, or the king or queen of the universe. A lot of these are interchangeable, but we're going to just have a look at a few of them in greater detail. And we're going to start with oblivious. If you are oblivious, you are completely unaware of what is happening in your surroundings. You are not paying attention to what is happening around you. That woman was oblivious to. That woman was oblivious to how loud she was talking and where she was standing. The man pulled his car over on the busy streets to run into the shop. He was completely oblivious to... The traffic jam he was causing. So oblivious is when you are 100% unaware of what is happening around you. Are you oblivious? Are you oblivious to something? The president was oblivious to corruption. Although I think he was willfully oblivious. You know, if you're oblivious, it might not be your fault. But you could pretend to be oblivious when you really know something is happening. Obnoxious, rude, offensive, unpleasant. That woman was obnoxious, that woman on the phone. You know, she could have stood anywhere in the airport, but no, she had to stand right by me. Why? Because she is obnoxious. The woman at the hotel was incredibly obnoxious to the staff. She needs to calm down. You, sir, are an obnoxious asshole. That new worker seemed a little bit obnoxious. Did you see how she ignored the receptionist? Knock that obnoxious look off your face or I'll do it for you. So obnoxious, rude, offensive, unpleasant, oblivious, completely unaware. Ignorant. Now, guys, ignorant is quite popular. I mean, it's one of these more common English words I guess or common English insults or adjectives for people and it's very similar to obnoxious and oblivious but it does have quite a few different meanings. Firstly, ignorant is unknowledgeable or uneducated. Ignorant is when you do not listen to others because you think you are better than them. 
If you are not knowing facts or information that you ought to know, you are ignorant. The man was ignorant to the severity of his actions. Many people are blissfully ignorant about the dangers of the sun. The judge was ignorant to the law when he passed the sentence. Now, in parts of the world, like Ireland, like the UK, ignorant can also be used for rude or impolite. Basically, if someone calls you ignorant, it's never a positive. If someone says you are ignorant, it is quite interchangeable with obnoxious, rude, offensive, unpleasant, you think you're the fucking best. Entitled. This one I feel is very common today. Entitled. And I don't know about you where you live, but where I live it seems that there are a lot of entitled people. You know, people who believe they inherently deserve privileges or special treatment. Why? I don't fucking know. Because in their mind they think they're special. They think they're better than you. They think they're more important than you. A person who believes they're more important than others is entitled. When you believe you are inherently deserving of privileges or special treatment, you are entitled. The classic example would be the offspring of a very wealthy or rich individual. The son of a billionaire, the daughter of a billionaire, for example. They think they deserve special treatment because that's how they have lived their entire life. They have always been treated special, specially. They've always been treated with high regard, for example. So, I've lived in Canada for quite a while, and I've worked many different jobs. In fact, I've worked jobs, many jobs all over the world. And I've come across so many different people. Some of these people, most of these people have been great. However, when it comes to teaching, some people believe that as a teacher, I should do more for them. They believe that I must spend all my time in class with them or working directly with them and not others. They feel that they should be treated with more respect than others in class. For instance, the student was extremely rude and acted entitled when she came into the international student's office snapping her fingers to get the attention of the volunteer. Because I've worked with so many different cultures, you know, I've realised a lot of people do not mean to come across as entitled, but it does happen. They're not familiar with the etiquette or customs of Canada. The restaurant example is probably one of the easiest to go by. So a student of mine told me how he went to a restaurant one time And he clicked his fingers to get the server's attention. To click your fingers. That is to click your fingers. One more time. I'm using my fingers to make a noise to get your attention. Now that might be okay with your friends. That might be okay where you live. But in Canada, that is a big, big, big no-no. You cannot do that. That is a no-no. Okay, maybe I should talk about a no-no, because that's a really cool one. A no-no is something you should never do. That's a no-no. Don't do it. It's a noun. 
So clicking your fingers to get the attention of a server is a big no-no in Canada. You cannot do that. However, in this student's culture, it was standard behaviour. Now in Canada, we would say you are absolutely entitled if you click your fingers at the server. You need to be patient and wait. The server will come to you when they have time. If you start clicking your fingers, you're basically saying, I am more important than everyone else in this restaurant. You need to be patient and you need to wait. If a person barks orders at you and they're not your boss, they are acting with entitlement. The rich asshole came into the store and acted all entitled. He was barking orders at me like he was my boss. I told him to go fuck himself. Don't do that, you might get fired. But entitled is believing you deserve special privilege. It's never positive, it's always negative. There are more meanings to entitled, but we're only focusing on the negative adjective of it today. To describe a person who believes they're better than others, to describe a person who believes they are owed some sort of, what would I call it, special treatment. That is entitled. Do you know anyone who is entitled? Who are they? Why are they entitled? Why do they believe they're better than others? Is it because their parents have told them that? Is it because they grew up with no rules? Is it because their mother or father are in a position of power in your area? Maybe the son or daughter of a politician. It doesn't have to be the son or daughter. A politician can be entitled too. God, I really hate entitled people. It's a great adjective though, entitled. Don't be such an entitled cunt, please. Terrible. My, my mouth is terrible today. Alright, moving on to a more crude, <laughs> more crude insult. To be up your own hole. Wow. This, um, this phrase comes with a warning. Use this around close friends, or if you want to confuse an American. Yes, it's very vulgar, I'll be honest. And it's definitely more common in Ireland, and is certainly a take on Hiberno-English. You can obviously use this in any other English-speaking area, but change the word whole for ass. To be up your own ass, to be up your own hole. So if you're up your own hole, you're stuck up, you're rude, you're entitled, you think you're the best. You know, a lot of these phrases and adjectives we have used are interchangeable and this is very similar to entitled. Very similar to ignorant. But of course, up your own hole is way more informal and vulgar and slangy than any of those. Oh, there's my phone making a noise. Did you hear that? Alright, so... If you are up your own hole, you're ignorant, you think you're better, you're obnoxious, you're rude, you're entitled. If you're up your own ass, it's the same in America, up your own ass, in Ireland, up your own hole, most other places probably up your own ass. So, When I was talking there folks, I said I had a short fuse and I guess at uh, 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning, I always have a short fuse. 
you know, I usually pride myself on my patience and I pride myself on my uh, long fuse, if that's even a way of talking about it. But at that moment in that story, I had a very short fuse. I was on a short fuse. And that means that you get angry quickly. You know, it doesn't take much or it doesn't go, take a long time for you to go from calm to angry. For me, I had a short fuse. It was 4 a.m. in the morning. When the woman woke me up, of course I had a short fuse. What did you expect? Now, we often use a short fuse for people who are always easily angered. It's not just a one-and-done thing. It's maybe on a regular basis. For example, I hate my boss. He has a short fuse. It doesn't take much for him to lose his temper ever. Why does Martin always have a short fuse? The man needs to take a chill pill or a joint. You should do some meditation. You always got a short fuse and it can't be healthy for you. So think about someone you know. Think about a person that you know who has a short fuse. How do you avoid pissing off that person? Or do you know anyone that gets real angry real quick? Like something bad happens and in a matter of seconds, they're angry. A short fuse, you get angry very, very, very quickly. Okay, let's look at a verb. To kip, K-I-P. And that is to informally sleep somewhere. I kipped in the airport for a few hours. Oh, there's my alarm going. Can you hear that? I'm not going to stop recording. I do believe this is a fire drill, not an actual fire. Hmm. Do I go out or do I stay here? It's funny though because um, a fire alarm usually signals that you need to leave the building. And I've noticed in Canada people are very, very good at that. However, in Ireland, we're not very good at it. There we go. It was just a fire drill. I knew it. So a fire drill is when you practice in case of a fire, like a drill. D-R-I-L-L. And that was a fire drill just there. Now, I was just saying how in Ireland, if the fire alarm goes off, for some reason, we generally do not pay too much attention to it. I don't understand why, but we don't. However, in Canada, if the fire alarm goes off, you obviously get up and leave the building. Now, there was a sign downstairs that said there would be a fire drill today. Hence, I did not leave or did not stop recording. However, if it were an actual fire, I absolutely would have gotten up and left. So there's a bit of random English for you. A fire drill. We just had a fire drill. There was a fire drill. There is a planned fire drill for tomorrow at 12 o'clock, for instance. So, where was I? I believe I was talking about kip. And I mentioned how I kipped for a few hours at the airport. I mentioned how I kipped it. Now, we often use the pronoun it after kip. I kipped it on the floor for three hours. I kipped it in the airport for a few hours. You don't always need to say it. It's just popular. Can I kip at yours tonight? You know, 
If you're out in the town with some friends and they live in town but you live far away from town, you might want to stay at their house for the night. So, can I kip it at yours tonight? Or you could just say, hey, I'm gonna kip it at yours if that's okay. It's also used as a noun and it can be interchangeable with nap. You know, I had a nap. Oh, I, I had a kip on the couch or the sofa. I'll have a kip afterwards. After dinner, I'll have a little kip and then I'll be ready to go. Okay, so let's continue, shall we? To tower over a person. You know, we use this phrase when a person is taller than another person. My name is Ronan and I often tower over people. I'm about six foot one. My wife is about five foot eight. I tower over her. I'm much taller than her. Do you tower over people? Or do people tower over you? I met a guy who was like six foot eight in the airport on my travels. He towered over me. That must be so awkward for traveling. The building towered over the park, so we can also use this for structures of general things. The old tree towered over the forest. It was beautiful. I also mentioned in that text how, or in the anecdote, The Lady Wakes the Bear, about how my patience was thin. And if your patience is thin, it's very similar to having a short fuse. Unlike the way we commonly use a short fuse, patience can be strong at first and slowly get weakened as time goes on. I have a lot of patience in the morning. I do not have a lot of patience in the evening. Or imagine you're working on a project at work. There's a delay. The boss doesn't mind, but can accept it. Then as time goes on, there's another delay. The boss is not happy, but again they can accept it and get over it. Then there is another delay. Well, now the boss is running out of patience. Now the boss's patience is thin. It's running thin. So the boss's patience is running thin, and as a result, you don't want to screw up one more time. We often use it when we are the one who is losing patience. My patience is running thin. We can use it in the past tense as a general feeling of a group of people. The patience was running thin amongst the group. And that would describe a general situation where the overall consensus was impatience and frustration. Imagine you're working with a new colleague and they keep fucking up. They keep making mistakes. Well, this is a prime opportunity for you to say, my patience is running thin with. With the new worker, he keeps making mistakes. My patience was running thin last week with the new worker. Thankfully, she pulled it together and fixed her mistakes. After three hours of trying to manage the children, the mother's patience was running thin. She was visibly angry. And for me? Well, I was awoken at 4am by a loud, obnoxious woman. My patience ran thin quickly. Not proud of it, but... Jeez, stand somewhere else. I said how I have no filter. And a filter in the case of this story, is referring to the ability to filter your words and use appropriate vernacular for a given situation. 
Now, my name is Ronan, and if you've listened to my podcast before or ever met me in person, you may know I do not have much of a filter. Of course, I have a filter at work, I have a filter when out and about, and when I'm amongst friends, I do not have a filter. If I'm around strangers, yeah, I'll probably have a filter. I talk about anything and everything, I say what I want, I don't mind talking about X, Y, or Z. Do you have a friend who swears a lot, who says inappropriate things? They don't have filters. Now, it can be positive or negative. You know, if you do not have a filter when you should, your mouth might get you in trouble. They might talk before they think. You know, like I said, at work, I have a filter. I do not swear. I don't always give my personal opinion on matters. I don't give out to students for their opinions. I'm happy to talk about a lot of topics, but because I have a filter at work, I won't be talking about some taboo topics. You know, I want to avoid topics that might uh, hit a nerve. Drugs, death, abortion, religion, suicide, because you never know what the personal opinions or lived experiences of people are. And as a result, I need to be wary of that. I need to have an effective filter. If I'm hanging out with my friends and I get a little tipsy, there is no filter then. I don't need a filter at that point. I'm so comfortable around my friends and they're not going to judge me if I say something inappropriate or whatever. But there is a difference between having a filter or having no filter and being a dick. And if you do not have a filter, you do need to be careful because you do not want to say something without thinking that actually insults or offends or upsets a person. The last one we're going to talk about is to address a crowd. Have you ever needed to address a group of people? You know, if you're a manager, you might address the workers or customers. It's usually used in a formal way. If I'm talking to my friend, I'm not really addressing my friend, I'm just chatting. A politician, though, will address the public. They will talk formally to the public. They will have a speech prepared. And in the story, I said the woman spoke like she was addressing a crowd, which meant she was talking loudly when she didn't have to. How would you feel if you had to address a group of people? My name's Ronan, and I'm quite used to addressing people. It's my bread and butter. It is my job, folks. I'm really good at it. I have no issues addressing strangers or anything like that. How would you feel if you needed to address a group of your peers and explain something in a presentation? Can you address a crowd if you need everyone's attention? Are you able to address a large group of people? Imagine you're working in a restaurant, a cafe or somewhere. And you need to get everyone out of the building for some emergency. Someone smells gas. Well, you need to address the crowd calmly and ensure everyone leaves in a calm fashion. The police officer addressed the man on the street because he was drunk. The manager addressed the workers to break the news that they were bankrupt. The air steward addressed the passengers, informing them of the delay. So to address a crowd or to address a person is to talk formally to them. I used it in a figurative way that the woman in the airport sounded like she was trying to address a crowd of, what, like 5,000 people or something. So imagine you're talking to 5,000 people 
probably not how you should be talking in an airport. That was part two of this podcast, folks. The lady wakes the bear. Yeah, it was a tough one. It was horrible. I did not enjoy it at all. To recap, I had to spend the night in the airport, find a nice wee corner to sleep at on the floor. I was awoken rudely by a lady talking way too loud and the worst possible location. She asked me if I was bothered. I said yes, and I walked away. But the good news was, it was now morning. I was about to go through security and hop on my plane back to Ireland. So excited. Are you ready for part three? Here we go, folks. Part three. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is that. Thank you so much for listening. Again, my name is Ronan. This is the Little Seal English Podcast. This was Murphy's Law Part 2, The Lady Wakes the Bear. And Murphy's Law Part 3 is coming very, very soon. Believe it or not, this is only the beginning of my journey home. And this shit had not really hit the fan yet. So, stay tuned. For a lot more random stories and random nuggets and little pieces of English. In the meantime, please check out all my socials. Instagram, Telegram, uh, TikTok I think. YouTube is another one. So make sure to check them all out. Leave me a comment. Leave me a message. And stay tuned because big news coming soon in relation to courses, memberships. I want to take your money. Please, let me. Anyways, we shall chat soon. My name is Ronan. Have a good one, folks.